So, hello everybody. My name is Nicola. We're coming to you here from Vancouver. Today we're speaking to Leslie Telford. Leslie is a choreographer, she's a performer and a teacher, and she's my friend. <laughs> so, Leslie's background is that she's from Vancouver. She's danced for Les Grands Ballets Canadiens okay, in Montreal, <laughs> Compagnie Nationale de Danza in Madrid. Uh, Netherlands Dance Theater. I'm going to talk to you, actually, okay, not perfect. to the camera. <laughs> Netherlands Dance Theater in Holland. Um, as a choreographer, she's created for Netherlands Dance Theater One, mm -hmm. uh, which is the main company of the Netherlands Dance Theater. Compagnia Nacional de Danza in Madrid. Corso Theater also in Holland. Hubbard Street Dance Company Two in Chicago. Ballet BC in Vancouver and other places. As an educator, she has facilitated workshops in Canada, Spain, the Netherlands, Sweden, Italy, and anywhere else. Oh, there's a few, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you received the Vancouver Mayor's Arts Award for Dance as an Emerging Artist, mm -hmm. nominated by your colleague, Crystal Pike. Yes. Okay. Which is special to We're just be name dropping here. <laughs> <laughs> So the first question is, where did you grow up? Grew up here in Vancouver and I danced here for years and when I had graduated high school, then I moved to Montreal. Okay. So, but when I was here, I had some fantastic teachers yeah. and we, who got us out performing for retirement homes all the time and okay. we, we were performing constantly. So that was really exciting as a Was that person. like a classical ballet situation? I suppose it's it it was officially a classical ballet situation, but I feel like my first teacher was more about just perform. Okay. Yes, nice. her husband would write texts for us to speak, and nice. um, so she just wanted us to get out there and get used to being on on a stage in front of an audience and yeah. just yeah. just share it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, to not make it into this once a year precious experience that it, everything has to be perfect yeah. because I feel like that actually brings a lot more stress with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. there's no room and, for mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's 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 also the situation with working with younger people like get them out and perform as much as you can just so that it's second nature and it's you're not dealing with like the fear factor of for sure for sure of performing yeah, yeah. do you have any memories from your like young age something that hooked you into the performance or maybe seeing something you know something like mind-blowing kind of like whoa you know like something I just remember we saw so many performances back then in Vancouver. I think there was also, give, giving credit to the empresario at the time, they actually brought in a lot of big classical ballets okay. to Vancouver. When I was growing up, we saw a lot of great performances. And I was in awe. And I was very focused on this classical side. I, I didn't... I, I mean, I've I've kind of focused on a more contemporary field, and and in that in that moment, I didn't even know what that what that was, or I wasn't interested at all. I was really interested in in pure classical ballet, and the perfection of it, and that that attention to every detail. And I, um, yeah. So I think there was a few ballets I had seen that I was just that was the 
big inspiration. I think the fact that I'd seen it, I, I don't know if I would have felt the same if I hadn't had access to to being like an audience member. Yeah. So I do think that's like a huge impact. I think most people that I talk to either have an experience where they witnessed something mm -hmm. or an experience where they're actually done something mm -hmm. in their field, which was kind of like, for me, I have a, a distinct memory of being five years old right? and like digging through Lego blocks with my brother and my yeah. sister. And we would get into these chants with like invented language and it would kind of be like a little yeah. bit like trance music like and we would fabulous i think I, I have a feeling that the time would just fly past and yeah and throughout my adult life i'm always trying to go back to that feeling as yeah. a five six year old because it was very transcendent and transcendent or right the word um yeah but there are those experiences as well like i'm i'm thinking of like those influences from outside but but yeah my sister also danced yeah and so we would dance together in our living room with the cassette player and sometimes we'd make up dances, but sometimes they'd be dances we'd learned for some okay. performance. And we would practice in our living room and it had huge windows so that when it was night, you could almost use them as a mirror. Oh yeah. And yeah, we spent lots of hours in that living room. Well, that's I have a feeling those were the most intense rehearsal times we've had sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sisters can be intense, like, yeah. now we're doing it this way. I think she still has nightmares about it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you started making stuff there, in a way. Yeah, but as it was... As simple as it might have been. Some simple things, then... But, and I wonder if that's the culture of, of ballet. Like, I wasn't... It was very much a do-as-you're-told environment. It was not like freedom, make anything you want. Mm -hmm. um, even though I, I, like, I really value the creativity of some of my first teachers, but it, there were rare moments when we would make something ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was almost like relegated to like, oh, that was just playing, you know? Yeah. It was, we would practice what we were given yeah and by developing that like sure there's there's your own interpretation added on to that but um oh and we would do festivals we would do these competitions and within that there was one that was improvisation so we would they would play a piece of music you get to listen to it once and then you have to dance Okay. And those were like pressure moments, but. Yes. And this would be more contemporary kind of style, or whatever you. Whatever a, you end up doing, and I think it was just a bit of a free for all because we didn't have any improvisation training at all. So you didn't have any preparation for that. It's no, just like you what kind happens of in the moment. threw yourself into it. Okay. And see what happens. Huh. <laughs> How did you feel about it? I, I it made me nervous because I was I liked the control aspect of knowing what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in later years, I kind of found that more exciting, but I, it's also like a skill base that you feel like you have you have tools that you can now play with in improvisational settings. But in that moment, it was you do whatever happens. Yeah, it can be pretty intimidating <laughs> if you've never done it. Yeah. Just a little distinction mm -hmm. for people who might not know, including me: classical dance, 
modern dance, contemporary, what are, what are they and what are the misconceptions that people have? I know this is a big question, it's but maybe... It's a huge question. It's like the unanswerable question. Um, I was participating in this fellowship in the University of Zurich last year um, with the question, what is contemporary dance? Yeah. <laughs> and um, a group of, of people involved in contemporary dance got together for about 10 days and came up with no answers. Um, basically, just the term, as the term suggests, anything that's made now. Okay, so perfect. So it removes the stylistic question of, um, it might it might be through a classical idiom. It might be through something that is um, um, what you would consider more modern. I find the word modern has connotations to a certain time in a certain era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it does for me. Okay. It, it refers back to the sixties and seventies. Okay, okay. And I, I and I really don't. I'm really not fond of the term postmodern. Okay. So, <laughs> If we the can kind of go with the, yes, exactly. <laughs> so if we can go with the term contemporary, that kind of covers all bases, right? Because it's like anything that you're it making is, now, yeah. and which is always going to stem from influences from the past. Yeah. And what is relevant to, it doesn't always need to be relevant to all of society, but it, you know, just like even on a personal level, this is relevant to where you're at at this present time mm. and what you're wanting to make with the people in front of you. <laughs> Sometimes I feel it, it may be a little bit like, it's kind of like music. I don't mm. know if it's Miles Davis who said it. It's like, don't talk about music. Music, you shouldn't talk about it. Just listen just to it and that's it. what it is. And mm -hmm. maybe with dance, it's like, you just need to see the piece and then mm -hmm. put it in your own label if you want in your head like that's what it is you know like, and, and there's what? like a stylist like huge stylistic variety and it's so personal so it's it's impossible i find to label it great mm -hmm. let's talk about creative processes mm -hmm. as a performer mm -hmm. when you're working with a choreographer and you've had a chance to work with great choreographers mm -hmm. and what kind of processes have you been uh, exposed to through work with the choreographers? Mm -hmm. Is it the do what you're told situation? Right. Is it contribute something? Is it total freedom? Mm -hmm. Is it a whole specter of those things depending on the person? Completely. Can you just give us a little kind of um, overview of your experiences? Well, when I first went to um, Spain, I worked with Nacho Duato. Um, and he was very much, um, he was incredibly fast at coming up with material. Mm -hmm. So it was watch and copy. And he built a lot of material on his own body. Okay. It felt like whatever came out naturally while he, and, and very connected to the music. So whatever came out naturally for him was what you're trying to like, or like capture as quickly as you possibly can because the moment that he realized you didn't get something he'll change it and you're like no 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 that was great <laughs> let me just give me two seconds and i'll i'll get it yeah. um so it was very much um very very specific and and following what he suggests sure 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 um then going to work with yuri killian um it was a com complete shift for me um, he had uh, in the past he had been very much showing steps you do them and 
he changed in his process of how he worked with dancers okay. quite drastically. And he um, would suggest a mood or a state of mind mm -hmm. or even a situation that you can start playing with. And I felt like with the raw material that you offer, he would start to sculpt it. Mm. And because there was so much partnering, it was also very dependent on what was built between that couple or that. Um, so that was, at first I felt like treading on eggshells, like, oh, I can try things, and do I trust myself to try things? Yeah. And almost getting over your own um, editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can be quicker to offer material. Like, I sure. felt like I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. And as these kids are here, like, growing up with um, being part of creative processes where you're really contributing. Yeah. I felt like I learned that much later, mm. which is when I started to choreograph because I realized, oh, wow, this is so much more satisfying <laughs> to, to be able to contribute to... Um, a very rare and special environment that was being created, but that you could, your um, input was being welcomed and shaped in a way that you had never imagined your input being shaped. And so it was, he would have never labeled that a collaboration, but it was some of the most collaborative processes I've been in. I was just going to say that it really sounds like a collaboration, mm -hmm. maybe with one person taking directorship of it, completely, um, like, um, for their vision. But. He was extremely, and that's that's where I find there's a there's a um, gray zone. <laughs> there's a gray zone, or there's like this contradictory, like the more um, clear some. Uh, like perhaps someone in the director or choreographer role is, the, the greater clarity brought to the situation almost allows for greater um, generosity. It, I, the contributors of the material and all. Exactly. Okay. And you would think that almost by being less clear about the direction, it allows more space for that. I find that leaves like a lot of unanswered questions questions mm. and actually the his specificity allowed for um, it to become something beyond what he had maybe originally planned mm -hmm. and beyond what we could have designed in in with with his input like it was I felt like it was a perfect example of it being more than the sum of its parts yeah 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 and so that was quite a special environment. And I think that was like a huge, hugely transformative for me. So you were saying in that period, you started choreographing, choreographing yourself. Okay. Before that, I didn't dare trust myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> for, so how did, so through those processes, you started to get self-confidence about making things was, or was there any also like turning mm -hmm. points, like, you know, like tipping points where you're like, oh, I want to do this myself. I think it was not only self-confidence, but um, awe of the creative process at its best. And mm -hmm. you just are so curious that you're like, well, if I could just play with that a little mm -hmm. bit more, like that, that process was so exciting. Um, why don't I invite a few people to, into the studio and, and let's do that ourselves for yes. a little while. Yeah. And I, I felt like, 
um, even as a dancer, uh, those moments of like surpassing, it's, I tend to think of it not just as self-confidence, but that your curiosity for something else is so much greater than your fears. Yeah. So all of a sudden the fears became negligible, not that they don't exist, yeah, I, I, but I, it's more that like your will to do something else is so much greater than your fears. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it. So, is there any like simple way you can express your own process as a choreographer when you're working with dancers? I think it's very much influenced influenced by my past, and I tend to depends how much time we have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean our time. I mean how much time of, of creative process we have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's because. Well, that's an interesting I, point, actually. How does time and quote-unquote deadlines also influence the creative process. Um, yeah, that is that is tricky because sometimes I think with less time you have to be uh, slightly more precise and maybe give some some already built phrases to be able to work with and, and that you can really start from scratch if you have more time. Yeah. Sometimes those already built phrases become almost uh, more time-consuming than something that stems from the dancers you're working with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things of just having instincts in the moment of like, which way do we go? Uh, in my own process, I think I do some task-based material of um, maybe describing a situation, getting them to build their own material through that um, visualization. <laughs> some of it, um, asking the dancers to contribute their own story-based okay. ideas that relate to the theme but are more specifically personal okay. and building material off of their specific personal experiences with that theme. Like with Ballet BC it was the um, theme of the, the accident or those few split seconds before a close call. Yeah. And, um, so I asked them to kind of go through their own personal experiences of the close call or, yeah, 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 or yeah. an accident or an almost accident. Or, nice. So um, they built material around that. Um, and then I also built material with those things in mind. And we sometimes will take a, a, a phrase just so that we have an aesthetic common ground and manipulate it and play with it and convert that into something more personal. Perfect. Just a second. Can we start over this yeah. little section and yeah, then yeah. I'll, I can do better. It's so funny because even, <laughs> even, <laughs> it's funny because even I was like, maybe I need to re-record the question because no, it was perfect. like, blah, blah, blah. no, like, yeah, let's do a cut okay. and then I can answer better. So let's talk about your work mm -hmm. with young dancers. Mm -hmm students, pre-professionals. Mm -hmm. You're working at Arts Umbrella in Vancouver. And last year, you had made a piece that was pretty much entirely the material generated by the young dancers. Mm -hmm. um, was that the first time you did something, or had you already worked with them in a similar capacity? Um, I have done pieces with young dancers before, actually, that weren't even um, dancers. 
Mm-hmm. Just I had, I had worked with young people creating a piece okay. with their material. Nice. With, yes. Um, so that was not the first time, but it was the first time actually working with such young dance students yeah. in that capacity. Yeah. And it stemmed from I was asked to do to make a piece uh, for a performance opportunity they had, and we had a long-term process of doing contemporary classes as well as ballet classes, and I had gotten to know them quite well. Mm-hmm. And we had been working on some improvisation skills, and, and I felt like, well, this would be a perfect opportunity to make it more like a composition class yeah. than... I felt like it, that would be more useful for them than me making a piece and teaching it to them. Like, it didn't felt... It felt like that wasn't the right... Yeah, 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 yeah role to play and so uh we talked about what we wanted to do and the theme and uh and we developed together we we discussed what are some of the tasks that could relate to that theme okay so i felt like it was a learning experience for me as well to see how we were able to accomplish that i i helped them arrange it spatially yeah I made a few decisions regarding okay, that okay. and kind of was the person who overviewed the process. Mm-hmm. And um, so they really brainstormed some tasks and we discussed it together. Okay, let's stick to those eight. And it was about how um, one mind can control another, another body. That so was the theme. That was the theme okay. we were dealing with. So it was, okay, we can get it to hover, float, it can fall, it can um, roll, it could freeze, it could, you know. So, yeah. we, so they tasked each other. Nice. So one asked another one to dance, and they wrote a list of what they wanted them to do. And so they built phrases like this, and... Um, assisted in constructing and even with like the title and what they were wearing and I I gave them two choices of music okay I brought it down to two and just said okay for you choose one and I did the same process with two different classes and they chose two different pieces of music okay and they turned into quite different pieces on the same theme and that was quite interesting yeah same theme different music different pieces yes Same title. Yeah. <laughs> we use the same title. <laughs> well, yeah. But it sounds like you basically were there to facilitate maybe overcoming or maybe suggest mm-hmm. ways of overcoming obstacles, but more you were kind of like getting out of the way. I was, but at the same time I was like insisting on whatever your choices are push them further yeah. and so that it's a deeper experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know from being in, in those types of situations as a dancer, it's a lot of the doubt comes from maybe I didn't make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Even as a choreographer, the doubts, maybe that's not the right thing to do there. And often the only mistake you can make is not following through with your choice um, in a committed enough way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what I was really enforcing with them is, okay, if that's your choice, 200%. Yeah. Follow that choice 200%. Yeah. And um, so it can 
you can really take ownership of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was kind of still a slave driver. <laughs> uh, you gotta but, do that. <laughs> but in order to for them to like it almost take over the ownership yeah. to a greater degree and 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 not just take that those choices superficially, but yeah, yeah. and so that was quite interesting, and I was really excited to see what happened with with them taking over and how involved they were in. Um, I got some nice notes afterwards, but it was a special experience for them to yeah, build it. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. sure it was. Is there anything that that particularly stands out as a memory of? Maybe somebody was shy that all, all of a sudden they came out with a certain side to themselves that's, you know, more powerful or, or somebody, you know what I mean? Like kind of transformative. I don't things. have a, I don't have a total transformative memory, yeah. but it's like a long term transformation over that. It was also my first time of connecting with younger students over the, the course of a year mm -hmm. and that was satisfying for me that what we spoke about and what was communicated over the course of the year you realize there's a greater understanding by the end of that yeah, yeah. that period that you can't achieve in short-term workshops that I had as in the role of a teacher or in the role of um, even in the role of a choreographer you it's short-term mm -hmm. and this was connecting um, teaching experience to putting something on stage. I, I took myself out of the role of a choreographer in that case, but still helping them kind of develop a, a yeah. work to, to put on stage. Yeah, and that them. was that, that long-term, it was long-term transformative process yeah, yeah. that I, I realized echoes with them and, and working with them still, I, I realized what has been built. And that's been very exciting. Mm. And it's a good point. Like a one-shot workshop can be very impactful, mm -hmm. but you you always want to go back and, and follow through. And, and mm -hmm. I have the same problem with music workshops. Right. Like if it's a one-shot, it's let's just try and get them, you know, like... Excited. Like flash exposed. Yeah. Yes. But it's really interesting to watch a long-term process and, and how they when they come back to each session, mm -hmm. their mindset is already in it. They're kind of, mm -hmm. And maybe in, in between the sessions, you know, either consciously or subconsciously, they're kind of developing things, you know, they're, they're, mm -hmm. their minds are working on it. Exactly. And that's what I find so special about, about dance and shared processes in music. And it's not just about the individual's experience. It's, it's about creating an atmosphere that you're kind of almost building on this atmosphere and teamwork to a certain degree whether or not they're having a direct connection or not it's it's what's happening in the room mm. that's important yeah and um more so than just an individual development definitely how do they deal with accepting other people's ideas mm -hmm. maybe the group rejecting an idea mm -hmm. in a nice way or maybe in a not nice way I mean mm -hmm. you know I guess it... they were quite polite with each other um, but I also felt like um, as a whole as an entire group uh, they took on the responsibility mm -hmm. and 
And I think too often, also being a mother, I think too often um, we uh, underestimate the degree of responsibility children actually want yeah, to have yeah, sure. and um, are capable of. Exactly. They, and the amount of like, then along with that, that responsibility that they're able to like, um, <clears throat> be creative and make choices, I felt like, um, gave them more trust in themselves and, and like the next time they're faced with a situation like that, I'm like, oh, mm. we can do it. We did the last <laughs> one. <laughs> one of my most impressive experiences was working with a group of nine-year-olds wow. in the Netherlands. It was like an after-school creative workshop once uh -huh. a week. And they, after the first couple of sessions, they were just, but they're nine. Right. They had the most amazing abstract ideas. They had clear choices. They had, no, we want this. We don't want this. Mm -hmm. This is how we're going to solve this. And honestly, I, I listened back to the recordings and it's just magical mm -hmm. what they came up with. And it was what you said about the responsibility. They wanted it. Mm -hmm. They wanted the bar set high mm -hmm. and they wanted this challenge of like, yes, we're reaching mm -hmm. it. And, and that was great. Um, yeah. Actually, how do you deal with, with that kind of setting the bar in terms of quality and focus? <laughs> We talked about this earlier, how, right. how difficult of a question it is. You did say you were a slave driver, which <laughs> I'm a total slave driver with kids I work with. And, yeah. and I don't want to be apologetic about it. I'm like, right. well, somebody's got to kick their ass. And, right. and um, how do you like balance that with at the same time being positive and kind of, you know, building right. their self-esteem? I feel like... Um, I don't want to be positive for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'll be positive when, um, when I find some of those ideas have been applied or have been owned or have been... And yeah. I... Um, <clears throat> yeah, sometimes I worry about being too... It's not just disciplinarian, it's it's to strive for a certain excellence or a certain maximization of what is possible in that moment with that child or um, or group of children yeah. or adults. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, so to, to not go with the simple whatever's the easiest um, result of this yeah. moment yeah. to to be the one in the room that's fighting for the, <laughs> that's the special magical um, uh, moments that that are created through a certain intensity yeah. that are not achieved necessarily the easiest way. But uh, and I don't mean of that we have to like um, beat ourselves up about it. But um, the attention and focus on details. Yeah. Um, can be very special and and I think that there's a great capacity for that and it's just like waking it up yeah for sure um and I realize the more I'm going back and forth between a professional world and and this environment of of working with younger people um 
I don't really feel like that that we should be treating them differently. Yes, there's an understanding um, that maybe they won't be doing it professionally, but if we're going to spend time on it, isn't it the time worthwhile that we're maximizing what mm. we're achieving? And actually, they'll probably have more fun with it in the end if we if they are achieving something beyond what they thought they could. Yeah. So. Um, as tough as it might be to kind of go through that, I do think there is fun at the end of it. Just as, just the same as you don't want to kill the fun out of it with professional dancers either. Yeah. You, it should be a very um, refined playground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally. For sure, for sure. Uh, and it's 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 so important to learn the value of, of doing something with quality, you know, mm -hmm. just really, like you say, pay attention to the details, mm -hmm. you know, insist, insist, insist. Mm -hmm. And that twinkle in the eye of the kids or whoever, when right. they really do a good job, because it's a product of also consistently doing something with quality exactly. and learning the discipline that don't just let something go, mm -hmm. you know, everything, every move you make, like strive for the perfection and mm -hmm. perfection, strive for improvement and mm -hmm. growth. Um, exactly. So, yeah. And there is, there is pride that comes along with that. And we are in, and we are in this certain society that is, um, that doesn't want to judge children, and I don't want to judge children either, but it's also, um, not necessarily politically correct to, yeah. to push, <laughs> to, to be accepting and saying, that's great, that's fine, that's nice. But I think there's more potential than that. Yeah. And I, I'm on an anti-mediocrity campaign. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Me too. <laughs> I think Me that too. they can, and and despite um, varying levels of talent, there are ways in which e each person can can find their own intensity and their own contribution and their own creativity within all of it. For sure. It's, it's true. I, I feel like I'm dealing with that right now with my daughter even, no. that she likes to do things she's good at and um, veers away from things that she has to work on to improve mm. herself upon. And I feel like we're in that process of saying, well, there is such a huge value in, in following through and, and do it, finding that daily focus and and then you you'll you'll find the result in the end. And nobody's naturally nobody's naturally a concert pianist. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that you and there is that follow through? Oh yeah. Do you think that you've learned that from your classical ballet education? Absolutely. Because it's very structured, very disciplined. And and you build upon skills learned previous, and it's a continually. Um, it's like a slowly climbing hill, <laughs> you're, and and you're continually re, re, continually reanalyzing it. You've never arrived. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, it doesn't the matter. End of your, yeah, life or whatever yeah. until you're doing Going it. Going along with your cane. Yeah. You've never arrived. <laughs> well, that's true. And the moment you have, you think you have, that's like the biggest mistake you can make, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? To not continually challenge or searching for refinement or evolution of what you're doing. And it's interesting when you think about most of the mass well, when I think about the art- artists, masters that I really admire, mm-hmm. they did that their whole lives. Right. They were always changing and not in a Madonna kind of way, right. but, you know, but just like growing. <laughs> point. No. And I think that was, was, was amazing with, um, I brought him up a lot, but Yuri, Yuri Killian yeah. is that he, um, despite all his past successes, continually searched for another way to craft his art mm-hmm. and, um, and other methodologies and, and, and he, he kept searching. And that was what was quite admir- so admirable about his process. Do you feel that you're trying to cultivate that approach too? I, I, I don't want to put myself on that <laughs> level of comparison, but I, it's something I really admire and, and I hope to continue to yeah. challenge myself yeah. in those ways as well. Mm-hmm. well I didn't mean- and others. Yeah. I feel that we are as good as our community yeah. in a way yeah. and um, um, you can find yourself in different roles within that community or yeah. but it's not an individual at least I mean I know writers are able to kind of exist more in in their own in their own minds and they can they can be independent yeah potentially Potentially, a painter can be independent, yeah. and, and not that they're not engaged with their world. But I feel like, in in what we do, we're as good as our relationships with the people around us, mm. and because it's it's not built alone. I mean, yes, you could do a, a solo performance and do that completely separate. But I feel like unless there's input and output, I feel like that's how we're building our craft and that exchange is actually everything yeah 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 or i find a huge value in that yes yeah who are some of the artists that you admire consistently let's say Mm-hmm. not necessarily within my own field no I not necessarily <laughs> in your own field at all actually especially considering we just mentioned the whole cross-pollination yeah Oh, I'm trying to think. Well, there's um, there's a writer I just adore, and uh, Anne Carson, and she also uh, I've shared some of her yeah, her yeah. work with you guys. Um, and also because she she speaks about this cross pollination yeah. and converting um, an inspiration from one medium to another, and I find too often, at least in dance, we we work in our own bubble. It becomes the studio and, and what's outside of it becomes secondary. Mm. And I think anyone who can kind of break down those walls and, and find value in that kind of ex- uh, the transference from uh, one idiom to another, I think that's really beautiful. Mm. Um, 
Bill Viola, who, who I, I adore his work because of how like specific and precise it is and how communicative it can be. Um, um, let me think. I wasn't prepared for this one. Oh, it's a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> I'm going to go home and go, I missed so many people. <laughs> it's okay. Two names. Two good names two is better than a hundred bad good ones. Names. Well, this was really great. I'm, I'm glad that we did this. It was nice, uh, nice talking to you. Great to talk to you. semi-informal situation. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm all over these things. I hope mm -hmm. the listeners and viewers will get something out of it. And I'm sure they will. There's a lot of gold in this. Hmm. Uh, thank you so much for joining thank me today. Thank you, Nicola. And maybe we'll follow up with another one in a couple of years and see where you're at then. Sounds good. Then it's a challenge to keep transforming. <laughs> so. All right. Okay. Cut.